Hello and welcome to the Hoosie Podcast with me, Phil. In this series of special podcasts, we'll be talking about the Doctor's companions, assistants, mates or fam if you will. And each episode, I'll be talking to a very special guest about a companion of their choice and discuss topics such as the companion's impact on Doctor Who and why fans connected or perhaps did not connect with that particular member of the TARDIS crew. My guest this episode is one of the hosts of the Prog to Who podcast. It is Suki Kark. Suki, welcome to the Hoosie podcast. Hello, Phil. Thank you very much for having me on. Oh, I'm glad to have you, mate. Glad to have you. Now, um, you are here to talk about a companion, and uh, you have selected Stephen Taylor. Yes, why not? Why can't I select the, the incredulous way you incredulous. just Incredulous. Yes, now, the only reason I say that, because... Um, Let's say this is one of the, the companions uh, that there's very few episodes actually exist that well, we can actually watch. So, <laughs> and the ones yes. that do aren't fondly remembered either. So. Oh, yeah, you're right there. I mean, I mean when, I, when I mentioned it to you and then we, we was going to setting this all up, I, I asked you um, what stories uh, we're going to be able to watch. Mm. And then I looked across at my shelf and I've got two stories only. And <laughs> the third one... Is uh, the gunfighters which I've left you to watch? I assume. Yes, you have. Okay. Well, done. well done for making that sacrifice, man. Well done. But uh, <clears throat> I've sat down and watched. Uh, was it Time Meddler and the Ark? And the, I mean, I've been tweeting about it for, about the Ark a couple of days ago, and hmm. they're pretty good stories. It's just uh, some of the production values, and they were probably a bit naff. But back to Stephen Taylor, he's a great companion. Don't you think? I mean, he's yeah. Been... I, was, I was going to say, why, why, why did you select Stephen Stephen Taylor in, in in particular? Then, what is it about the character that you? Um, well, it, we we've had people on who picked a character they didn't particularly like. They just wanted to talk about them. So, obviously, you do like Stephen Taylor. So, um, yeah. So, what is it about the character that uh, made you select him? I I've liked Peter Purvis as a presenter on Blue Peter for many years when mm-hmm. when I was growing up, and when I realised he was a Doctor Who companion. I, there wasn't that many target novels, but once I started looking into this character, uh, you could see he was a very good character to, to take the lead in the show. Because a lot during this period, William Hartnell did have a lot of time off. There was mm. odd episodes here and there. They were saying, and Stephen and the companion of choice, uh, his companion that was with him, Vicky and Dowda, had to take most of the bulk of the story, and he did quite well. I mean, most of the mask, if you've listened to the audio on that. Is yeah. all Stephen Taylor, and uh, Peter Burvis carried most of that story, and he acted it really well. The story is dark, very, very gruesome in places, but it is dark. And then there's also uh, there's bits where because Ian and Barbara were so loved, they sort of amalgamated his their character into uh, Stephen's character, and he was a person, a man of action, and also a sort of man of reason. Uh, that's why one of the reasons why he left in the savages was because they wanted somebody who could make decisions for him, and he used to make a lot of decisions. I mean, wh- I, I, what did you think of him as a character within the story yourself? Well, I always think that um, Stephen Taylor, right, right from the the off, really, um, as you say, he, he is like an amalgamation of, of um, Ian and Barbara, 
as you said, he's, he's that man of action. He's also that, uh, that, that's the Ian part taken care of. Then the Barbara <laughs> part of him is that, that thoughtful um, and questioning the doctor's actions a lot of the time. And there is a lot, and a lot, and a lot of the time he's, he's rather incredulous, especially um, in something like the time meddler. He's sort of, uh, he, a lot of the time he's like, oh, come on, Doc. I like the way he just called the Doctor Doc a lot of the time. Um, yeah. yeah, he's he's willing to question and not just accept everything at face value. That that's uh, that's why I particularly like the character it, as but, well. To be honest, it, yeah, I was watching him in Time Meddler, and a lot of the time he was there. He because it's his first time traveling in the TARDIS, and you, you, you're watching with Vicky. And Vicky's there, the experienced traveler, and mm. trying to explain things to him. And towards by the end of the story, right, Vicky's there trying to explain the time paradoxes that might happen if the monk uh, gets uh, gets his way and stops the Vikings from attacking, uh, being killed by, uh, being killed. Mm. The monk's killing uh, the Vikings, which will then help Harold. And then all the time paradoxes might happen. And he's there, he's slowly cottoning on. And then when you see him with Dodo, many, uh, a few months later, right, he's the experienced traveller and he's doing the exact same sort of thing in the arc, trying to explain these sort of things, whereas Dodo then walks off and does her own little bit. So you can see, right, that he's starting to learn all this stuff. I mean, there's there's bits where you can, you can look at him and he's, um, he's like a buffoon in certain places. But I think that mainly only in Galaxy 4, where uh, the part was actually written for Ian and Barbara, and mm. then he end, ended up taking stuff. They ended up using stuff that should have been for Barbara. Uh, uh, for him, and he just doesn't come across as correct, uh, as good. I mean, the gunfight is another place where it, it comes across slightly buffoonish, but not not uh, well handled. No, I, mean, I, I think that something like the gunfighters, it, it sort of had a bit of a, I suppose I could say, a bit of a reappraisal um, in in sort of recent years. For I think for them to try and do something something a bit different. Um, I mean, <laughs> it's almost like a, it's almost like a comedy. To be honest with you, um, and you've got that music. It's almost like a musical as well. Um, yes. You've got you know the ballad of the Last Chance Saloon all the way through it, over and over again. Yeah. Um, but then you even get the Stephen made to sing it as well um, at, at the behest of the of the uh, was it the Clantons? But yeah. um, I think Peter Purvis he, he said I think it's on the commentary or the documentary that come along with it. Um, he, he didn't like doing that because not because he was made to sing. It's the fact it was in the wrong key. <laughs> it was the wrong key for him. So which I which I thought was was brilliant actually. I, I love the fact that whatever they threw at him, he's willing to have a go, long as it was it was done in the right key. <laughs> well, you, you, he's quite the actor Pete Purvis is quite willing to um, have a go at mouse things. If you look at him, I mean, he, he did the singing, a uh, little bit of dancing. Um, he doing all the, uh, the the action man stuff, and he, he used to carry stories when he was dramatic. It's just, I think, towards the end of his run, he started to get, he started to really start mounting towards the producers. I mean, I've been reading books here. I've got books here on Stephen Taylor. Yeah. And there's Peter Purvis is quoted in them saying he just wanted something more to be done, and then I think the producers just got fed up and decided, okay. You've got three weeks now. Just, just writing you out at the end of the savages. <laughs> so the poor lad. I mean, he was trying to better himself within the story, uh, within the uh, the production. Yeah. And in the end, I think he just they just thought we don't want to moan, and he just got rid of him. Well, this is a bit more dignified than what Dodo got. So, 
Well, it's a bit more difficult. Uh, same, same with what Vicky got. I mean, she'd come back off holiday, come back off holiday, and just told her, uh, uh, "We're writing you out in this story, next story, and that's it. You're out as well." Yeah, I know. It's a very, very strange way to to treat the, your so-called leads of a show, really, isn't it? So. It's- it's really peculiar because I know Peter Pearl's always said. I mean, since he did Doctor, he he, um, he never got any more acting work. Um, I, I went to a, uh, one of those BBC conventions. I think it was the fiftieth anniversary year, and yeah. BBC did a big convention at the Excel Centre. And uh, there was a panel with, and I've seen him at other conventions as well, but I think it was this one in particular. Um, and he's bemoaning the fact that he never got any more acting work. And he sort of fell into this sort of presenter role and never escaped it. I, you look at him; he is a very good actor. I mean, as I, as I says, he carried a lot of the story. Yes, William he did. Bartner wasn't there. Yeah, and you, why he didn't get more acting work, I just don't know. Maybe, maybe uh, the producers just put it round that he was moaning towards the end of his uh, run uh, on Doctor, and the the, the producers. Uh, the things that were said about him mm. probably got around to other production. They all turned around and says, well, you know, we don't want somebody who's going to really moan, uh, really uh, stick their oar in and rock the boat. And it, it, that might just have cost him a lot of jobs. It could have done, actually. It could have done. Um, but I think also there's the other side to it as well, that I think once you start in something like Doctor Who, um, and he wasn't in it for very, you know, for very long, but you, you do kind of sort of get typecast or you get offered the same kind of roles over and over again. Um, and I suppose if you want to try and do something different, you, you're not going to be interested in that. Um, maybe it was, it, I can't remember what he exactly said now, but he, he didn't, I don't recall he, he sort of elaborated too much on why he didn't get any, really any more acting work after Doctor Who. Um, but I, I seem to, if you notice that with a lot of companion or actors, when they leave the role of a companion, they don't really do a lot after that, particularly in the 60s and 70s. No, well, I'm looking at his um, IMDb page here. Yeah. Have you, have you seen what he's acting straight after Doctor Who? Yeah. He had uh, Court Martial. Yeah. Uh, one episode of that. Yeah. He had a couple of episodes of uh, Z Cars. <laughs> and then there's a show, show called here. I don't know. I don't know if this is actually true or not. It's called yeah. Girl in a Black Bikini. <laughs> right. In which he, I've he, never he heard of that one. First, <laughs> well, he appeared in the first two episodes of that. And uh, I just, uh, yeah, I'm not sure if that had actually be a title these days i don't think it could be actually <laughs> uh, six episode run and he was in the first oh it's quite a decent uh, actual lineup in that one there's like brian kant john barron frederick jaeger brian wilde from uh, oh wow okay yeah from uh, um, glenn houston who's just, died just sadly passed away yes god so blimey that's quite, that's quite, quite, a, quite a good one then actually yeah. yeah yeah it must be one of them that have been lost to time then but losing uh, He's him not getting any jobs after Doctor Who. Uh, yeah, it's a shame. I mean, he could have done. He could have. He could have gone on to bigger and better things. You can tell it. Yeah, it could have been a lot better. Yeah, I think. I, mean, I, I think so because I say he is a. I think he is a very good actor. Actually, I, I really do. Uh, I know. Sort of, as I said, there's not many of his Doctor Who serials actually survive. But I, I've always liked him. You know, when I since I ever sort of saw the first episode because I. I think, like, yeah, I knew him from Blue Peter. Um, and wasn't it Kickstart was the other thing he used to do? Kickstart. Yes, yes, yes Kickstart. Uh, and obviously Crufts. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know he was in Doctor Who to very, very sort of um, many, many years later. Um, and the one I eventually saw him when they used to repeat them on uh, UK Goals, he used to do the omnibus editions every sort of Saturday and Sunday mornings. 
Yeah. And I think it's where I first saw um, the chase. So obviously <laughs> you see you see him as Morton Dill. <laughs> yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. In, that, you know, is not, that is not uh, rem- it's not properly reflective of him being a good actor. No, that bit isn't. That is well and truly right. overplayed with a with a sort of hillbilly accent. I don't know what part of America he was supposed to be from. So yeah, it's a Beverly Hillbillies accent. It is, isn't it? But uh, but then obviously at the end when they get to Mechanus um, and he stows away um, on the TARDIS at the end, um, that that's when it. I think that's when you see what what Peter Purvis could actually do. To be yep. honest, I mean the chase is is a weird story anyway. Um, it, it's it's so it varies from one episode to another with its um, in tone. To be honest with you, it, it's it's such a bizarre thing. Um, well, yeah. you need six set pieces and six different episodes, though, isn't it? So it is basically, yeah, yeah. It's it's weird. It's very very weird. Very. <laughs> but. Well, um, I was going to say, but then obviously he stows away at the end and you get the time meddler. And I think that's when, I think he was a really interesting character because he he wasn't a contemporary character. He was, again, a bit like like Vic. He was from the future as well. Um, And he's he's already set up as a man of action, wasn't he? Because he was um, basically an astronaut. Yep, (laughs) an astronaut, which doesn't, uh, uh, it's not... uh, in, in all the uh, all the stories after that, it's sort of never mentioned again. It's like his little panda that he had with him, right? Oh, he that's had a panda. right. Yes, yeah. I forgot about he, that. <laughs> he had a panda uh, in that end of, towards the end of the chase and at the beginning of the uh, uh, the time meddler. And yeah. then what happens? Never mentioned again. Never mentioned again. Yeah, Mate, it was the nineteen sixties. Maybe it wasn't manly enough or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, if it wasn't manly enough, he shouldn't have uh, just walked in with it. I'm just going back to it. He did have acting jobs. I mean, didn't you ever used to watch a Blue Peter pantomime? Oh, God, yes. He had loads of acting jobs every year. Every he year, yeah. Had... <laughs> Plenty of seasonal work, I think, is what you're saying there, Sir yeah. Peter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, yeah, the, I mean, The Chase, as you said, was uh, one of these ones where there's different set pieces every week. But that's the same with the Dalek Master Plan. Yes. Uh, which was sort of set pieces every couple of weeks. But it was better done, but maybe better remembered because quite a lot of the episodes are missing. So you just think he was a lot better in that stuff. Well, the whole production was a lot better because yeah. it's all your imagination. Remember it because it was as I said, it was only shown in the woods, mm. right? You just think it was a lot better. Uh, I mean, he did have uh, uh, Stephen Taylor, the character. He had like two com- uh, two other companions with him in that story, which was like Katrina and Sarah Kingdom. Yeah, and both of their deaths affected him. As did uh, like uh, was the name Anne Chaplet Chaplet from yes. the massacre, and but all them deaths sort of affected him into su- into such a way that that he he, he left the TARDIS. Uh, the, this is the sort of thing that wouldn't really happen uh, yeah. until years later when Tegan left. Uh, is that the, the whole things that surround the Doctor sort of affected the companion to such a degree that he had to leave. Yeah, I think. That that is, I mean, again, that's very, very um, sort of Barbara-like, isn't it? You know, she, she, as I say, she would hold the Doctor to account for what had gone as Stephen did in this one, um, yeah. this particular story as well. He he wouldn't just say, okay, well, that you know, let's move on to the next adventure. He would be affected by it, and I think that's something that sort of, I to or to my mind, um, was sort of left behind in the sixties until we got to like modern Doctor Who, really. 
the companions sort of had been directly affected by the by the adventure they just had and yeah. sort of thinking no I I can't but actually maybe with the exception of Tegan perhaps when she left yeah, when Te- uh, this is Tegan. Tegan's a bit the the main one you can compare to Stephen. Yeah, threatening to leave the Doctor. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, of course, when he when he when he does do that in in the massacre, um, he he does walk out. Uh, he sort of and leaves the doc and the Doctor's on his own for the very first time. Yeah, with with that one, and then sort of like I think is isn't it sort of they see um, it's something that we they see policemen approaching and Dodo is aboard the yeah. TARDIS. Yeah, so. Um, Oh, no, she mistakes the Tardis for a police box, doesn't she? There's an accident, isn't there, yes, somewhere on yeah. Wimbledon, Wimbledon Common, and uh, Dowdo runs in. Yeah. But then Peter, uh, Stephen Tyler comes rushing back in just to warn the Doctor that there's the, policemen the police policeman approaching. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, he, he's just had that big scene that he you know, really confronts the Doctor and says, look, uh, this ain't right. This is, this is, I really, really feel, you, you just, all this death, death, is affecting me, and he leaves. Yeah. And then about a few minutes later, he just walks back in and says, "There's a policeman coming." And it's never sort of addressed again. Well, it, it is, it, as I say, it's kind of that thing again where um, what happens in the Aztecs that, like Barbara, believes she can change history. And the doctor saying, "You, you, you know, you mustn't change one line." Um, and this is kind of the same sort of thing for Stephen as well, isn't it? He he want he wants to save his his friends that he's made, like you know, Anne Shaplow for, for, for argument's sake. Um, and against that doctor arguing that you can't change history, it had to happen, and it's that that Stephen can't um, accept that you know they had to be left behind to die, so, which, which I think is really good for a character. It, it is, but I have never that argument with Anne Chaplin. I've never believed. I mean, mm. the the actual character Anne Chaplin was probably not massive enough to significantly affect history. I don't think. Right, so he could have, the doctor could have saved her. Whereas what Barbara was doing in the Aztecs, she was trying to change the culture of a whole, whole mm. uh, race, a whole uh, the Aztec uh, pop people, and that's what she was trying to do, and which is what the doctor was trying to stop. Whereas in that Damascus story, the doctor could really have just taken Anne Chaplin and says, "Okay, I'll just move if we, we want, we'll take it out of Paris and just move it to somewhere else, but we're not taking her with us." He could have done that easily. But could, I could see why Stephen was upset in that story about Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's always that thing, well, you know, if, if someone, you don't have to be anything significant. If you if you change history, it, it's that it's that knock-on effect, isn't it? I think that, you know, what what, what could happen? Um, what, what do they, what's that thing? I'm trying to think of that Ray Bradbury story where they, they go back in, it's set in the field, they go back in time um, to um, was it hunt dinosaurs or something? But they got to stay on this one particular path. It's like a, a like a time or a corridor kind of thing. They mustn't step off of it. And one of the people who goes in this, it's like a, a holiday thing, or something, and treads on a bug or something. And that, I mean, that and that the butterfly effect. Yeah, basically that's it. But it's, I think that it starts with this story, and that that but something as insignificant as that just changes the whole course of history. And I think this is what this story is trying to trying to do. Um, maybe they, they didn't think that at the time. <laughs> maybe, then, you know, yeah. we're reading we, a bit more into it now, aren't we? But yeah, well, you know, we could go around retconning it and so. Oh you, God, yeah, yeah, because yeah. in New Who you go around think there's a fixed point in time that you can't change, and there's there's a person's got to be here which you can't change, like they did with the Waters of Mars and um, was the name Adele, was he? 
the 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 spaceship pot, uh, yeah. the captain, yeah, uh, where she she had to die, right? It, she might not have been a big major character, but she had to die in that story to be able mm. to affect future generations. Exactly. So that might have been the same. The Doctor might have sent someone about Anne Chaplin to know that he might have ended up with maybe Dodo Chaplin many years later. But it's all you could reckon it yourself through that. Uh, uh, basically, by using New Hugh as uh, as canon like. I, yeah, I think that's the um, that's that's the thing. People do like to retcon and make it make it fit, don't they? Really, the old the old stuff. Um, it's got, everything's got to connect somehow, and uh, really, it's just a story, isn't it? <laughs> this is this is what one of the things about Twitter these days. I mean, I'm a big person, a big follower of Twitter, and I follow a lot of people on Twitter. Mm. And there's a lot of things that well, the doctor's never been this, and the doctor's never done this, and then but if you look into Ask a little bit of classic Q. The Doctor has done it. He he has moved this person. He has done. He has changed a little bit here, right? And but because they've all got it in their head, yeah, this never happened, and that wouldn't. Uh, the Doctor would never do it. The Doctor would never do this. He just. But you can always search for it in classic Q and see it there and say, look, that argument is totally wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but to try and explain it to some people. Online, like the, this is the this is the case, but nobody wants to listen because they've all got it in their head that you're wrong, I'm um, right. Exactly. Don't listen to anybody else. Yeah, I know that. That's what I, one of the things I do find very very um, frustrating about what, what social media. Full full stop. Really, um, it's it's that it's, it's that you or me kind of um, attitude, isn't it? It's very very black and white. Yes. There's no there's nothing in between. It's right wrong, and that's it as far as they're concerned. So, um, opinion and debate doesn't come into it. <laughs> opinion and debate does definitely does not come into it. Definitely it definitely does not. No, so. it's a, my opinion is the most valid. You are never ever going to listen to anybody else's, right? And th- this is the problem with uh, Twitter in that you put your opinion out there and somebody will latch onto it, like it, and go, "Well, that person is correct." And that's an opinion that matters, and they will not change their mind. But even though they might read somebody else's opinion, which sort of can, uh, balances the argument, and but they won't listen to that person because they've already listened to this person. Yeah, and it just annoys the f out of me. That does. I know. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. It's that thing that um, opinion has sort of been substituted. Um, well, I say fact has been substituted by opinion. I yeah. think is the um, is the thing there. Um, yeah, I think people have a great difficulty in distinguishing between the two. But uh, but anyway, that, that's a Twitter diatribe <laughs> over and done with. But um, oh, well, a bit later on, we'll do the Facebook one then. Yeah, we'll do that later. Maybe Instagram yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Now, um, obviously, as we as we sort of, we keep mentioning that there's not a lot of, of Stephen Taylor stories left. Have you sort of delved into the sort of like the recon? The r- no stuff. No, I haven't either. Um, to to, uh, to be honest with you, because um, I think that that's really going to be the only way you're going to be able to sort of put the, you know, the the, the soundtrack and pictures together is, is to watch the recon stuff. Well, um, I've never been be a fan on- of it, to be honest with you. No, well, to be honest, I'm not not done the the recon versions where you know loose cannon or whatever they yeah. put up on uh, YouTube, but I did have all the soundtracks of. Um, Mouse of the Missing Stories, mm-hmm. and uh, I'd, a few years ago, I went through a period of listening to all the stories in order. Yeah, and Stephen does come across as 
says that's one of the reasons why he's a, a favorite character of mine, a favorite companion of mine. He comes across quite well towards the end, uh, as it says, Celestial Toymaker and the Gunfighters. Uh, he just, I just thought he became a bit buffoonish, mm. a bit bit of an idiot. Yeah. Well, no, not even, not exactly an idiot. Uh, it, it became against his character some of the stuff that he did, and it just. But the stories that do, do highlight. Stephen Taylor, like the massacre uh, uh, bits of uh, the Dalek master plan, right? It is one of the reasons why he comes across to me as an excellent companion, an excellent fall for the Doctor, and uh, sort of guiding, not a guide, uh, an equal with the other companion that he has with him, like Dodo or Vicky or Sarah, because they just bounce off each other. Uh, and that's why Pete, uh, Stephen Taylor. Uh, Peter Burbage, basically, uh, is just one of my favourite people. Yeah, exactly. do you think? I mean, obviously, have you listened to any of the Big Finish um, stuff that he's done? I, I must admit, I'm so far behind on Big Finish. Um, I, you know, there's, this year's their 20th anniversary, um, and I've barely scratched the surface with a lot of it. I mean, I've only listened. What I have listened to has mainly been the main um, Doctor Who line. I haven't delved yeah. into the Companion Chronicles or anything like that yet, which I think is where. Um, Stephen Taylor's made a bigger presence in the Big Finish range. Um, so has that sort of tempted you in at all at any yes. point? Yeah. Well, I've got a friend of mine, uh, Roger Clark. All right. Uh, just shout out to Roger who runs the, uh, the Walls of Fenric uh, Facebook group. But he used to collect all the Big Finishes. And when I mean all the Big Finishes, I mean all the Big Finishes. Oh, wow. All right. From Companion Chronicles, the spin-offs, uh, the main range, and even some of the uh, like the the Avengers uh, survivors, he used to collect everything. Yeah, and uh, he used to borrow me all his stuff. So I'd listen to the first few hundred, well, a couple of hundred. Was it a couple of hundred? hundred and fifty. I'd listen to, and then I'd listen to a lot of the Companion Chronicles. And he does come across as quite. I mean, his characters expanded better. Uh, because he's the main driving force, because William Hartnell isn't around anymore. So they do base a lot of the stuff on him and Vicky. Um, Dodo, well, because Dodo isn't in it, but the companion. Uh, the, so they sort of tailor the story towards Stephen, and he comes across it. Have you listened to The Rocket Men? No, as I say, I'm so far behind on <laughs> on Big Finish. So, yeah, what's, 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 the, um, what's the plot to that one? Uh, if, if I remember correctly, the Rocket Men is uh, some sort of a species. It's an uh, they've landed on a planet, and it's a race that Stevens accounted before, uh, and he knows there's some sort of conquering race. And uh, it, it just uh, if you remember the old Rocket Man film or comic show, series, I think this sort of the, the the actual character designs for the Rocket Men is based on that. Oh, uh, right, okay. Uh, he comes across. He's brilliant. He's quite brilliant in that one, uh, and they've done sequels to it since. Um, and of course, he does play William Hartnell's version of the First Doctor. Uh, again, excellent interpretation, right? And I can see why they're now doing stories using Peter Purvis as the First Doctor. Because I say, is it? Um, is it? I haven't heard it actually. Is it the same as uh, Fraser Hines' Patrick Troughton? Yes. Because that that well, is that is. Well, I think the first time I heard that, it was quite uncanny, actually. Yeah. You got every vocal tick perfect. It was note perfect, I, I felt, actually. I, so, I don't think he's as good as Pete, uh, 
uh, Fraser Hines's uh, yeah. Patrick Troughton, right? But he does come uh, in the stories that I have listened to when he does play the first Doctor. He's he does come across as uh, very, very, very good. Oh, okay. I should have to have a bit of a listen out for them then, actually. So, uh, so, so, I mean, how how many companion crawls has he, has he done? Do you, do you know or uh, not without? Having a quick Google. Quick Google, on, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the only way you're going to find these sort of things. Big finish. Uh, Here we go. Live Googling, folks. <laughs> Stephen Taylor. <laughs> you can hear the keyboard clacking can you, there. Can you hear the... T- yeah, yeah you exactly. Can <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate. Just talk amongst yourselves at home while we uh, Google how many big finish stories put your purposes done. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm going to... Uh... So they've just... Companion crawling calls Mother Russia. I'm sure, I'm sure there's a way on here to be able to find out. Oh, there's just Peter Burbies. Here we go. <laughs> 34. 34? Wow. Yeah, 34 results. Uh, like, uh, he's done short trips. Uh, Daughter of the Gods, which is the uh, the Patrick Troughton, uh, William Hartnell um, mashup that they've got. Like, mm-hmm. It'll be Peter Purvis and Fraser Ryan's playing first and second Doctors. Uh, then you've got uh, there's Companion Chronicles First Doctor Volume, there's Crash of the UK Entanglement, Ideal World. There's quite a bit. There's quite a, a bit there. Oh, it's more more than I thought actually. More than yeah, I thought. 30, yeah, there's 34 stories. Crikey. Hmm. There's a lot of short trips, which is, and then there's of course the First Doc, Doctor Chronicles that he's in as well. Yeah. Oh well, so there's a, there's a big back catalogue to. Uh to delve into if you're a Stephen Taylor fan then yeah there is this... certainly on audio put it that way certainly on audio but, uh... I don't think he's done I don't think he's done one for a while though it doesn't seem to say oh so if you if you had to pick one particular story to recommend to people to say this this showcases the Stephen Taylor character what 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 story would you pick me personally I'd pick yeah. The Massacre but uh, it's not existing so you've got to listen to the audio <laughs> right because as says he carries a whole story by himself. Because uh, William Hartnell is off playing the Abbot. Yeah. Uh, so and so Stephen uh, infiltrates. Uh, well, not infiltrates. Uh, sides with the the Huguenots. Uh, helps them. Uh, he's captured. He's released. He's he he, he becomes involved in what, whatever's going on to such a degree that he's he's. Not not exactly in love with Anne Chaplin. He's mm. uh, he cares for Anne Chaplin. So when when he realizes uh, William Hart, uh, the first Doctor, has to go but leave Anne Chaplin behind, he 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 wants to leave the Doctor himself. So I'd I'd recommend myself the massacre. I okay. mean, what what would you recommend? Well, actually, um, I would probably pick the Time Meddler um, because I think it, it's uh, I think it's a great story. Um, as well, to be honest with you, and it's obviously the first time we get to see someone else of the of the Doctor's race. Um, it's almost like a, so I can say, almost like a prototype master. Um, just sort of in, you know, in, but he's, he's not a, he's not evil. He just, it's almost like a, like an experiment, really, isn't it? He, he's just yeah. sort of like adva- giving them advanced weapons or, or whatever it might be, just to see what what happens more than anything else. There's not, there doesn't appear to be anything malicious <laughs> behind it. Um, but I think, but you, as you say, I think you mentioned earlier, you sort of Stephen starts off as, as incredulous yeah. about about where he is now, um, and as the story progresses, um, he sort of uh, he sort of taking it all on board, and I think it, it's he's a really really good character from that point of view. 
Um, and he shouldn't be really that surprised to say he is from the future. Or is it meant to be from the year, I think the... the uh, year 4000. Year 4000, that's it. Yeah, that the chase, that's where it ends up. So, um, so yes, he shouldn't be massively surprised about what he sees, I suppose. But um, I suppose time travel is, is a little bit different. But... Yeah. But as I say, he does work really well as an, as an amalgamation, as a replacement for Ian and Barbara. Um, I, I think he, I think he's really good. I think he's well, really good. Yeah, in that story, he's excellent. I mean, but then the following story, which is is it no, is it the following story of the one a couple of the Galaxy Four where they've written for Ian and Barbara, and then he, he comes across uh, somebody who's cowering in a corner, uh, being scared by the the drivings. Uh, yeah. he, he, that story doesn't highlight him as a good character, but the time meddler is an excellent story. Actually, as, as I was just watching that uh, just before I, I started talking to you, and uh, Peter Butterworth in that is excellent. Especially, he's there plotting to kill. He's plotting there. He's there plotting to kill all the Vikings out at sea, but yeah. at the same time, he's sitting in the in the monastery giving this um, this poor Saxon fella. Right, here's some penicillin. You'll be okay in a bit, but if I got so, if I had some blood with me, right, I'll be able to give you a blood transfusion. But at the same time, he's killing all. He's, he's killing. to kill all. <laughs> right, so he's got all this little conflict going up between. Him. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, that's a, it's another one of those, um, those uh, you know, the, the story itself we mentioned about. We really knew Peter Purvis from say like Blue Peter and and, and Kickstart and things like that. Yeah. But um, I mean, Peter Butterworth, I know just know from the Carry On films. Yes, and that's <laughs> it. I, I only know him as, as a comic actor. Yeah. Um, so seeing him in, in when well, I first time I saw him in this, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be like a a comedy." Um, and it's nothing of the sort. I think again, he plays it really well. Yeah. See, this is exactly the same as me. Well, I've always Peter Butterworth, one of my favourite Carry On actors. I mean, I love Carry On films. I yeah. really do. I've got the box set right above my head right now, <laughs> and. Um, it's just, uh, I just, he's the one of the better character actors. I mean, he plays buffoons. Uh, I, I like saying buffoon, by the way. But uh, <laughs> uh, he plays the idiot in these films extremely well. But he's not in the Time Meddler, and then a bit later in the Darling Master Plan. He's he's not playing an idiot as such. He's playing somebody who's manipulative. Yes. He's, um, he's thinking these actions through. He he can be quite evil in that he's going to destroy the, the the Vikings but at the same time he can't be quite gentle in that he's uh, talking to um, this this Saxon fellow but try uh, we'll get your blood transfusion we'll get you some penicillin and stuff right so he comes as quite cross as quite a complex character and he bounces the, the fourth episode when he's with William Hartnell yes uh, that the, the way the pair of them are just bickering backwards and forwards who's got the better TARDIS and stuff like that. That is excellent. I mean, but yeah, that's Peter Butterworth, class actor. He is, or was, I should say. He was indeed, yeah. was indeed. Yeah. So, um, so we're not we're not going to recommend the gunfighters to anybody then? Going, going back well, to Peter Purvis. <laughs> I never, I haven't seen the gunfighters in years. I haven't, have never ever bought the DVD. Do I've you know, the, I was just saying, the VHS. The VHS, okay. Well, do you know what? It's that song that gets on your, it certainly gets on my nerves all the way through because it, it's relentless. Um, mm. But then it's, as I say, it's played as almost like a comedy to, to a certain degree. And the whole plot surrounds uh, the fact that the previous story, um, it ends on the doctor breaking a tooth whilst eating a sweet. 
So so then it just goes into like trying to find a dentist, and end up at the you know um, <laughs> the gunfight, the OK Corral. Um, and at that point, you got Stephen dressed up as something you'd see um, in, in a rodeo. Basically, um, yeah. it, it's, it's not you know it's nothing. Doesn't reflect history at all, and then Dodo's dressed up as something you see at a rodeo as well. If I'm honest with you, um, and at one point, Stephen's going to get lynched yes. by, by the angry townsfolk. I mean, it, 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 it's such a, it lurches all over the place. Um, but then you get to the last episode with the gunfight itself, and it's really, really well done. It's fantastically well done, um, and it's where the confines of a, a studio set really comes into play because gunfights then, because the range on the weapons was so bad, they did have to shoot each other at close quarters. So, oh, right. so, um, so that, I mean, that, that's one of the things that always bummed me about Doctor Who. Whenever there was like a, a, a battle, it was always done from about five foot away from each other. And how can you miss at that range, for God's sake? You know, so, oh, no. But at least with this, it, it was a bit more historically, historically accurate. You know, so... Um, so from that point of view, it's good, but it's just the fact what they what they do with the Stephen Taylor character, um, you know, making him sing. Then then they're, they're going to lynch him, and, and yeah, it's a it's a strange story. It really uh, is. I'm quite glad. No, not quite glad. I'm, I'm. It's one of these things where I'm not rushing out to buy the Gunfighters, but I know it's had some sort of um, renaissance. Like a, it has, people. yeah, yeah. So, so I. Maybe if if these Blu-ray thing sets are coming out, of course it'll be on the on there, and I might be able to watch it for the first <laughs> time in some more like what thirty years, twenty oh, thirty years. Oh wow, blimey! Yeah, I, I have had the VHS. I don't think I've even watched that. When I did watch the Gunfighter, it was it was on a dodgy, dodgy VHS back in the early eighties. Well, maybe late eighties actually, not early eighties, late eighties. Late eighties. But yeah, oh, so wow. I've never. It's never never been one of these i'll tell you one of the other reasons why it probably you know the the fan fan wisdom and this is me going on to twitter about going back to twitter again yeah right i shouldn't really follow fan wisdom but when you're when you're growing up and you're listening to all these you're reading these books that are coming out and and the 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 doctor who magazine at the time and they'd all go around telling you about how the gunfighters was rubbish story it killed the historicals um it's uh, it had really low ratings, and when you look at the some of the uh, look at it afterwards, and you realise it actually wasn't a bad story. It didn't kill the ratings. It didn't kill off the historicals because there was about two or three after that anyway. Exactly. Uh, exactly. So you you just you think maybe you shouldn't be breaking up your own opinions and watching the story yourself. But when you watch it on a dodgy VHS as well, and you think, oh, okay, I'm not really into this. I'm not really, <laughs> I don't really want to watch this. I've, I've always found it a bit of a, a bit of a tough watch, to be honest. I really have. Um, I mean, we, we did do a commentary for it on, on this podcast many, many years ago now. Um, we actually, to be honest, when you're sitting down with a group of friends and, and a, a couple of drinks, or, or just, have, just having a laugh with somebody whilst watching that. Um, it does actually sort of, you know, pass the time quite nicely, to be honest with you. So. It's a drinking game. It's it? A, it is, but I think if you try and watch it seriously, um, I find it a hard slog. <laughs> See, uh, the, the drinking game ain't going to work with me. No, exactly. Being, <laughs> yeah, not being a drinker, so... I yeah. know, exactly, uh, but... I, 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 I was going to say, even with a group of friends, it'll work. It'll work. <laughs> yes. I'll try and find a like-minded few friends who, who want to watch the gunfighters, who don't want to drink. 
that's going to be a tough call in my, gonna, uh, yeah. <laughs> in my culture. <laughs> Good luck with that one, Suki. Good luck. So. <laughs> So anyway, I mean, thank you so much for taking part um, in this in this uh, sort of very sort of quick re- appraisal of um, of Stephen Taylor. Um, oh, fantastic! Oh, thank you very much for no, having me. Thanks for coming on. So, um, as but as is customary in these situations, would you like to tell the listeners where they can find um, your podcast? Right, I've got two podcasts. Well, three really on the on the go at the moment, uh, which is like Proctoru, which is a monthly one. Uh, and you can find that on the Proctoru Facebook page. Uh, just go on there, and it's that's me, Mark, Bob, and Craig, and we'll review a story every month, and we'll also play some fantastic music. Indeed, indeed. And by fantastic music, I mean Craig's music, just in <laughs> case Mark and Bob are listening. Right? <laughs> and Craig's music is brilliant. But, yeah, so is Bob and Mark's uh, choices as well, just to be on the safe side. But Craig's <laughs> music is brilliant. Uh, then you've also got me on, we've also got an offshoot of Prog Through, which is their Take Your Seats podcast. And that's me and John Aiken. And we will, every week, we have a guest on and we'll talk about a classic sci-fi movie. Uh, we've had, like, um, Time Machine last week, uh, Galaxy Quest, The Day of the Earth, so, so. next week's is Flash Gordon. So if Ooh. there's anybody, we're also we are looking for people who want to come on. We are fully booked up till uh, end of September, and but we have got people on the waiting list after September. So, but if you fancy a gap, and it's just me and John, me and John, and whoever the guest is having a half hour little chinwag about a movie that you like, just come on. There we go. There we go. And you, you mentioned, and there was the third one, of course, isn't there? Oh, the third one is yes. uh, Doctor Who's line is anyway, and that's just me. Uh, I'll go on there with a bunch of people. Uh, we do um, improv to classic Who. Uh, it's run by Miles Northcott. Uh, if you fancy having a go on that one as well, uh, get in touch with Miles Northcott on Twitter. He's under Doctor Who's line um, at Doctor Who's line, all one word. Uh, just have uh, search him on there, and you'll. And I'm sure he's looking for extra cast members. It's a giggle, it's a laugh. Uh, you you get to interact with. Uh, I get to interact with people from Canada and, and uh, America, uh, and we just have a bit of a laugh and a giggle, uh, putting on funny voices and stuff like. That. Uh, so yeah, that's the other one. Doctor Who, whose line is it anyway? There we go, everybody. So there's plenty to choose from there. So get listening. That's all I can say. Get listening. Fantastic. Yes. That's it. So anyway, so thanks so much for coming on, and uh, I really hope you can come back on um, sometime fairly soon. No worries, thanks, Phil. to the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's-he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He podcast Facebook group. The Who's He podcast is a member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. Who's He podcast.